ready to roll into the month of November. It starts tomorrow, rolling into November. Seems like the year has flown by. And many people think of November, they think of fall. They think of Thanksgiving, and rightfully so. I mean, beautiful colors. Look at that. That's amazing. If you're watching online, we're so, hopefully you've stayed through all those announcements. But look at that picture. Thanksgiving's probably my favorite holiday of the year. It really is, because it's not freezing cold yet usually. You still could step outside at brisk, cool temperatures. The family gets packed into a house. If it gets too warm, you can still stand outside. If the family drives you crazy, you can step outside, you know. Uh, but you look at Thanksgiving's probably my family, probably my favorite because you got food, family, football. I mean, that's, that's exciting. And Thanksgiving's a holiday that's founded on such biblical principles of giving thanks. You can't twist that into ghosts and goblins. I mean, it's all about, I'm thankful that I'm alive. I'm thankful for health. I'm thankful for, for spiritual growth. I'm thankful for the forgiveness of Christ. I'm thankful for family and friends. I'm thankful. And I love that. But how many of you know this, that November is not just food, family, football, Thanksgiving. Food is, or, uh, thanks, or November is... I'm getting hungry, goodness gracious. November is National Adoption Month. How many of you knew that November was National Adoption Month? I learned this in preparation, and I'm, I, there was about three of you. I think there was one yesterday that knew this. November is National Adoption Month, a month set aside to raise awareness about the urgent need for adoptive families and for children and youth in foster care. The history of National Adoption Month dates back to 1976 when Massachusetts Governor Mike Dukakis announced the first adoption week. Governor Dukakis's idea grew in popularity and eventually it spread nationwide. And in 1984, President Ronald Reagan proclaimed the first National Adoption Week. In 95, under President Bill Clinton, the week was expanded to an entire month of November. And so... Today, I just want to talk on this title, A New Name, A New Name. Jesus, God, thank you for everybody who is here. Thank you for everyone who are, who's watching online. God, thank you for people who are going to view this later. God, I am so thankful to you for what you have done, what you are doing, and what you're getting ready to do because you're amazing, and we're so thankful to be a part of your plan God, I pray let every heart and mind be open today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And everyone said, Amen. tap your neighbor like this and go, are you still awake? I don't want to embarrass anybody either online or here today. I, so I'm not asking for public response. Don't stand, don't raise your hand. But I do wonder how many of you watching online or in person, how many of you were adopted? How many of you were raised in homes where you were adopted and how thankful you must be to have been adopted? Just look at some statistics. One out of every 25 U.S. families with children have an adopted child. According to the U.S. Census, about half of these have both biological and adopted children. Around 7 million Americans are adopted. Around 140,000 children are adopted by American families each year. 
Of the over 400,000 children in foster care in the U.S., 114,556 cannot be returned to their families, and they're waiting to be adopted. That means more kids than can fit in the whole Arrowhead Stadium are waiting to be adopted. The average age of a waiting child is 7.7 years old, and 29% of them will spend at least three years in foster care. In case you did not know, our United Pentecostal Church International has an amazing, our, our organization has an amazing sub-organization within our organization that is called New Beginnings, and you can go to newbeginningsadoption.org, and it's a great, great, great organization. And what this organization is, is it, it'll help start the adoption process if you're interested. If you are a mother or you know a mother who's looking into other options besides ending a life through, through abortion, this is a great option. Or if you'd like to donate and support this important ministry, you can do that right here, newbeginningsadoptions.org. Adoption means the act by which an adult formally becomes the guardian of a child and incurs the rights and responsibilities of a parent. One of the most significant elements in the legal process of adoption is the adopted child taking on the surname of the adoptive parents. You'll no longer be called that. Now you will have my name. The surname represents a covenant relationship, provides a new identity, and promises a future inheritance. Because if anybody, I think we understand there is power in a name. And so some of you might not know this, but I was shocked when I asked the youth last night, how many of you have ever heard the name Michael Enzi? And like none of the youth raised their hand, and they're still not raising their hand because they're just young enough to start coming into the youth group. But about Six, eight years ago, something like that, Michael Enzi was the youth president of the entire organization. And Michael Enzi was the youth president when we, he led us as an organization into, for the first time ever for Youth Congress, he started leading us into football stadiums because nothing was large enough to contain the youth of the United Pentecostal Church International. And so that first service was held in Indianapolis at Lucas Oil Stadium. And I'll never forget when I walked through those doors and I had never seen anything like this. Thousands upon thousands of apostolic Pentecostal youth gathered with hands raised and shouting as Brother Stone King got up and wrapped up a service about shouting and you're just looking around and there were just thousands of youth all in this Lucas Oil Stadium. Michael Enzi was the youth president that led us into that. And Michael Enzi was adopted. His dad died, biological father died at a very young age and he was adopted by Randy Enzi in Conroe, Texas. And, and he took on his, his new father's name and he was adopted into the family. And so I say that because if you are adopted, especially if you're a young person, don't ever feel like, well, I'm adopted and I don't have the family situation like they have, so I probably won't amount to much. No, 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 no. Adopted people still change the world. And so I want you to know that... 
Names are significant. They have power. They define us. I say this all the time. They're more than just random letters jumbled together to form a, a particular sound that's pleasant to the ear. It's more than just going to Barnes & Noble, buying a book, jumping on Google, searching the top 200 names of 2020 and saying, I like that one. No, names are so significant. The Bible even puts emphasis on names. Proverbs 22.1 says, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor rather than silver and gold. Ecclesiastes. 7.1 says, a good name is better than precious ointment in the day of death than of day of one's birth. You see, in Bible times, they were not given randomly. There was thoughtful consideration because a name, it, it precluded them. It, it, it showed them their destiny. It defined who they were. Na names determine these destinies. And so while every name is significant in Scripture, there's one name that's more significant than any other, and that's found in Philippians 2. It says, Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's why we baptize in the name of Jesus. That's why we do not say Father, Son, Holy Ghost. There is a name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and that is Jesus. And so that name is, is, is given, and there's so much power in that name. When we take on that name of Jesus in the waters of baptism, we take on his name and enter into a covenant relationship like I talked about last weekend. Jesus allows us to have his name, just like when an adult formerly becomes a guardian of a child. And that adult is willing to take on the responsibility that comes with that. You see... You think about that when a child is adopted. You ever see a, a video, a YouTube video of when a child's adopted? You don't usually see the adoptive parents walk in and be like, is it that one? All right. Come on. We're going to head home. Now, you're watching this blubbery mess of emotions as somebody comes in and this, this culmination of the dream to have this child. And in some cases, a parent couldn't have a child. And so maybe they were physically unable to have that child. And this is the, this is the culmination of this dream as they come in and they look at the eyes of this, of this beautiful little baby or, or adult or teenager, not adult, or teenager or, or youth that's 10 or 4 or 12 or 15. And, and they come in and they just start crying because they're like, you're now my child, and, and wow, and the, and, the, and the child is looking, and, and now they're going to this new home, and, and sure, there's an awkward phase where you're trying to get used to everything, but in the end, you're going to have my name, you're going to be my son, you're going to be my daughter. It's this beautiful time of emotion and tears as, as wow, you're now mine. When a child's adopted, he or she becomes the recipient of a binding legal arrangement by taking on the name of the parents. But even more, the child becomes the recipient of the relational privileges of being that parent's child. For children who are adopted, they are viewed and treated no differently than natural born, born children. That's why if you started to say, if, if, if somebody would have said, who's adopted? And, and people would have stood up across this room, that would have blown your mind. It would have shocked you. What? I had no clue you were adopted. Why? Because they were raised in a loving home, just like a biological child. It was no different. That child was the son or the daughter in that home. 
And so you check out, this is, this is taking on the responsibility for the life of the child is one of the most top-tier commitments anyone could ever make to another human being. And check out what God says. Paul is writing to the church in Rome. And he says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And he says something so powerful that we can just miss if we don't study it. He says, for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father. That Abba means Daddy, Papa. This intimate relationship. It's, it's an intimate word. It's a closeness. Abba, Father, we don't think about something we think, God, he's some supernatural spirit in a universe far away. No, he says, when you have my spirit, you don't have a spirit of bondage. You have the spirit of adoption. You can call me daddy. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children... Then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, we may also be glorified together. I want you to understand the background here, because sometimes we just read over something. But you got to understand, if Paul was writing to the church in Rome, what, what, what nation do you think that church, what principles were they following? Roman principles. It was written to the church in Rome. They were following Roman principles, Roman culture. So let's... Look and see what, what, what was going on with Roman adoption at that time. Well, under Roman law, there were several features of adoption. First, adopted children lost all rights in their old family, but they gained the exact same rights in their new family. Losing rights in the old family meant no matter what has happened prior, if you are a part of that or whatever, it, that they no longer had the right to be cursed shamed, abandoned, or rejected because of who they were previously connected to. They had a new name and a brand new opportunity to live with confidence, comfort, blessing, and acceptance. Why? Well, you were part of that family. No, I have a new name and I have been adopted. That is gone and now I have their name. The second thing of Roman adoption. The adopted child became heir to the father's estate. There was no line of difference between a natural born child and an adopted child. Every child was given access to everything the father had. When we were adopted into God's family, we became heirs of God. Our inheritance makes us a beneficiary of the goods of the kingdom of God. My previous name does not matter because guess what? When I was born the first time, I received my name. When I was born the second time, I received the name of Jesus Christ. And so, yeah, but look at all the things you've done. Oh, no, 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 no. Those things are now gone. I have a new name, and with this new name, I am now a beneficiary of everything that my Father has to offer. 
And the final feature of Roman adoption, the old life of the adoptees was completely wiped out. That's why Paul wrote to the Colossians and said, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. And having spoiled principalities and power, he made a show of them openly triumphing over them. You see, in that day, when there was an ordinance, it would be written on the town hall square and it would be and then a judge and, and they would have to make a decision okay either you're guilty or not guilty but even when you're found not guilty they would they would go like this and put an x over it and so okay you're free to go this ordinance did not stand against you but here's the thing you could still come up and I could go well it's xed out but I didn't know Leah did that I know it's X'd out, but I definitely did not know that about Jacob. And did you see here what Phoebe did? Good Lord. I mean, I know she's a good woman of God, but I never knew that. Oh, but, but it didn't stand. They found me not guilty, but I could still see the remnants of the ordinance that was brought against you. So Paul strategically chooses the word he, that Jesus Christ blotted out meaning he actually took away the ordinance as though it never existed in the first place there was no x written over where the remnants remain he blotted it out that's why the bible says in corinthians that Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Behold, old things are passed away. All things are become new. And so the minute I take on that name in the waters of baptism, I am no longer known by my name and my failures and my past. But when I take on his name, he's willing to adopt me as his child and say, you are free to have my name. I now not only have the rights and the inheritance of the future, but I am a new creature. The old things are gone. I don't have to live in my past. I have a future because of Jesus Christ. In that day when the ceremony of adoption was complete in the eyes of the law, the adoptee was a new person. With Roman adoption, even all the debts and the obligations were abolished. They were canceled. They were wiped clean as though they never existed. And Paul understood the culture to which he was writing in that first century. That's why he wrote and he talked about ordinances being blotted out and price being paid and old things becoming new. And that's why he says in Romans 8, he says, as many of you are led by the Spirit of God, you are the sons of God. And He's written, obviously, a male-dominated society, but you could say children of God, absolutely. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption. And, and now you can cry, Daddy, Father, Abba, Father. And, and, and so today, a lot of times, we, there's like this, this stigma sometimes that comes, oh, you're adopted. And people don't want to tell someone, I'm adopted, because, oh, well, that's, 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 that comes with a stigma for some. That's not the case. This is a beautiful, beautiful thing, and it should be a beautiful thing in our culture and society too. Jesus says, he, Paul writes down, he says, hey, you were going one way and had one name and didn't have much hope, and that was your past. And you don't feel like you have much future. 
And just like a, a lot of kids, not all of them, but some kids enter into the system of adoption because some of them maybe were unwanted or unloved by someone. Not all. But Jesus says, oh, no, no, no. There might be people, you, you might, they might look at you and say, you're not going to amount to much. Or, I don't see much in you. Jesus says, no. I'm willing to take on flesh, die on a cross, pay the price, because I see something in you. I see something in you, and you're of value. Yeah, but you don't want me to take on your name, because I'll embarrass your name, God, the things I do. You know, we all been there as parents. You're in some public place. Whose kid is that? And you're just like, I don't know. I'll, I'll go see if I can find their parent. What are you doing? <laughs> but she never stopped loving that kid. No doubt that anybody who's a parent, you could raise your hand. Has your child ever done something you're not proud of? <laughs> My mom would probably be standing with both hands in her air. <clears throat> for Pam, not for me. <laughs> But you know what? I'm telling you, that child, they got your heart. Like I say, because you know them, because you saw something, because you love them, because they're your own. We could be out at some theme park, and some little kid goes, hey, will you buy me an ice cream cone? You might be like, where's your parents? The ice cream cones are $17 here. I don't mind you no ice cream cone. Better go find somebody. Do you need help finding your mom and dad? Where are they at? <laughs> yeah, right? But Eliana walks up to mom and dad. Goes, Daddy, could I please get an ice cream? Jason could be like, okay, how many do you need? <laughs> hang on, hang on. I got to run to the ATM. I'll get my, I don't know. But they only take cash. We'll go find an ATM, Eliana. We, right? Because as a parent, you look in the eyes of your child, and there's something that you're like, I want so bad. I understand we can't spoil them, and we got to be wise, but there's still something about when a little girl or a little boy, mommy, daddy, and you look at him, and you're like, I'm supposed to be tougher right now, but how can I say no? And you look at him. Why? Because as a parent, as a parent, you're going, I would give my life for my child. And Jesus says, where do you think that love comes from? I'm willing to give my life for mine, too. See, the only reason we're able to love like that is because God is love. And he's the one that even someone doesn't believe in God. The concept of love is how love exists in our world. It, it comes from God. And so that's why if you say, well, I'm a parent, I love my child. Well, you have just a taste of an understanding of the love of Christ. And that's why he didn't say, well, I'm going to love you if you perform well. I certainly hope my kids continue to love and serve God and 
dedicate their entire lives to living for him, but if they ever chose not to, my love doesn't stop for them. Certainly, I'm ashamed or embarrassed by maybe their decisions. Oh, I'm so, I hate that. I wish, I wish you could do different. I wish you would have made a different choice, but I will never stop loving my children. And some of you, maybe you have children that are not currently serving God, and you can relate to that. You're not saying, I, I don't agree with all the decisions they're making, but I love my child, and I would still give my life for my child. And so Jesus, he looks at us and he says, oh, yeah, I know you, you can carry my name and you're probably not always going to be a shining image of my name. But I love you. And I would die for you all over again just to give you that chance to make that decision. Why? Because I adopted you as my own. Because I gave you my name. When you took on that name in the waters of baptism, you now had your name first, but that's why scripture says you must be born again. There's a second birth where a new name is given, and now I get to walk, not as just Gary Dunham, no, I get to walk as a child of God. And the spirit bears witness that, because the spirit is still needed for that new birth. The Spirit bears witness that we are the children of God. And if we're his children, verse 17, we're joint heirs. Now, I didn't have much of a future. But when I took on his name, oh my goodness, I got a, I got, I got a father that I'm going places. I got, I got streets of gold to look forward to. I got mansions. I got, I got this beautiful city called heaven. I get to spend eternity with my father who said, I'm going to be with you always. And if I go, just know I'm going to prepare a place for me, for you. Why? So that where I am, there you can be also. I, we're going to be together for eternity. Why? Because you have my name. Because you are my child. And i never really seen this before. But you go back Second Chronicles 7.14. I preached this last week in the context of repentance and prayer. And this is often how we preach this. It says, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I'll hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and I will heal their land. And so we'll say, look at the prayer. We need to turn. We need to repent. We need to pray. We need to pray for our nation. I've heard this preached so many different ways. But something just jumped off the page to me this time when I read, if my people which are called by my name, meaning, guess what? That spirit of adoption, God had a plan even in the Old Testament. He says, I got a plan. My kids are going to be called by my name. I want them to be called by my name. They're going to be my family. I'm going to adopt them as my own. And guess what? When I adopt them, I'll do just like with that ice cream cone, so to speak. Oh, God, this is what I need. Lord, I'm praying. God, help me. He says, ask, and I'll hear you. Knock, and I'll open. Seek, and you'll find. He's trying to let us know, I'll be with you. I, I understand the desires of your heart. Just come to me. If you just confess your sins, I'm faithful and just to forgive you. 
you and cleanse you. This is the type of relationship that he has. He says, and so if my people will pray when they're called by my name, when they're my children, when they've taken on my name, that, that adoption, they're not only joint heirs of all the promises I have, their past is gone, their future is secure, but even their present, when they begin to call on me, I'm going to hear what they're saying because I'm their father, because they are called by my name. That's my adopted child. And so when they lift their voice to me, uh, my ear is going to be intent to hear everything that they have to say, because they're mine. I'm no longer identified by what I've done in the past. Instead, I'm covered in the blood of Christ. I don't need to say, oh, God, but I don't deserve to have your name. We have already read that story. The prodigal son and totally embarrasses his father. He humiliates him, leaves, acts like a fool. He goes away, wastes his inheritance. But when he comes home, he says, I don't deserve to be a part of your family. I don't deserve to have your name. That father's like, you better shut your mouth, kill the fatted cat. Have. Get the signet ring and put it on his home. Because my son, he did not say this strange guy that's been doing. He says, my son has come home because that's the God that we serve. He says, you're my child. I might not always agree with your decisions. I might not put my stamp of approval and I do demand obedience. But it will never stop me from loving my child. It will never stop me from hearing the whispered prayer of my child that says, come I'm home. If you come home, I'm going to love you just like I've always loved you. I'm going to celebrate just as I've always celebrated you. Why? Because you're my own. Because you're my adopted son or daughter. I'm called by his name. His name becomes my identity. What ultimately becomes my destiny and eventually leads me to eternity. Yeah. My first birth is my name. My second birth is his. And that's why he says, you got to be born again. God wants to make us sons and daughters. And that's why he says in 2 Corinthians 6, Come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing. He says, I will receive you. And you will be, and, and I'm sorry, he says, And will be a father unto you. And you shall be my sons and my daughters. If you come out and just be separate, I'm going to receive you. So no matter where you are, how far you've fallen, don't think that, oh, it's not time for me to go to an altar. Find an altar. Get on your knees. Come back home. God, forgive me of my sin. We have a promise from God. He says, you're going to be my sons and daughters. I'm going to receive you. There's nothing you're going to ever do that will make now. Will it be disobedience? Could we live a life that would, where I'm not preaching once saved, always saved, eternal security here. But any time that you're willing to come back to your father and say, forgive me. There's nothing that you can do that will make him say, no, nah, you've gone too far. I'm done with you. Just like any one of your children. Mom, Dad, I'm so sorry. I've, I've, I've been living crazy, and I, I want to start doing right. There's not a lot of parents that go, I don't care. I'm done. No. Because we love our children with Jesus he says you just I, I want to be a father to you not just not just a savior he certainly wants to be that too but God never says I only want to be a savior to you I'm thankful he's a savior but he says multiple times I want to be a father to you 
For some, that doesn't sound positive because your father might have been a jerk. Your father might have been someone who did things, said things that were so wrong that the thought of your father is just like, whoa. Don't let that taint the image of the perfect heavenly father that is the model of the father that all of our fathers were supposed to be. Because Jesus loves you so much that he's willing to give himself. He's willing to give you his name even when we might not be a shining reflection of what his name is. He says, I want you to have my name. I want to blot out the things of your past. I want to walk with you now, let you know I'm going to hear you when you cry out my name because you're a child of my name. And then you have a joint and heir, you're an inheritance in front of you. So in other words, when he adopts us, he takes care of our past, our present, and our future. Would you stand to your feet right now? As we get ready to celebrate National Adoption Month, oh man, what can we do with the, so without celebrating the greatest adoption story in the history of humankind? He did not want us to pay a price ourselves. He says, I'm going to pay it. I'm going to give you my name. I'm going to take care of your past, your present, and your future. If you're here today and you've never taken on that name in the waters of baptism, there's clean, warm water. We're ready to go. You can take on that name. If you're here and you say, well, I've already done that, I think, wow, we need to find a place to pray that says, Daddy, oh, I don't ever want to forget the fact that you were willing to adopt me when I didn't deserve it. A lot of people saw me as unlovable. Not really people, many people wanted me. But you said, I see value. I want that person right there as my child. I want that person right there to have my name. And ultimately, I want that person right there in my home forever. I'm so thankful for that because I certainly do not and did not deserve that. But I'm so thankful he was willing to give me a new name. I invite you to find a place to pray and to thank God and to dwell on that, those words. Oh, God, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for seeing value in us, Jesus. Oh, thank you, God, for seeing value. Thank you for a spiritual adoption. Thank you for making me your own. Thank you for giving me your name, Jesus. Thank you for blotting out my past. Give me a future, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.